What's up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of Meet the Creatives. I've got a great episode in store for you today uh, and a whole bunch of fun stuff coming down the line. And this is all made possible by my good friends at KEH Camera, the world's largest buyer and seller of used camera equipment. You know, I just love their mission to make photography more accessible to everyone by selling certified, fully warranted used camera gear. Their collection of gear is insane, ranging from vintage film equipment to some of the latest DSLRs in the market. Uh, they got it all, and it's all up to 40% off of retail value. So it's really easy to find the camera that fits your needs with KEH Camera. I recently had the opportunity to upgrade my own gear, and they made it so easy. Uh, I talked to a gear expert and who's also a photographer, which is amazing. Like, How often do you get to talk to somebody who also is a photographer online? And I uh, was able to pick out the perfect gear, and they work with me. Um, to kind of understand what my needs were, what I was trying to do. You know, I talked about the podcast, you know, potentially starting a YouTube channel, headshots, all this different stuff. And they were able to work with me to put together a kit that perfectly met my needs. And uh, over the last couple of months, I've been using it with my personal freelance clients, um, with my friends and family. And it has been so exciting to dive back into photography. And, you know, with this new gear from KEH, I really feel, feel like there are no limits as to what I could do. So, you know, I'll be documenting that in the coming months. Be sure to check them out at KEH.com and use my code ROBJ11 to save 5% off your first purchase. Once again, that's ROBJ11 at KEH.com and you'll save 5% off your first purchase. And without further ado, here's the show. Welcome back to another episode of Meet the Creatives. Today I am joined by D Speed. It's a real name. She's a superhero and she's also working right now at YouTube. D, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I appreciate you being here. I appreciate being here. I have to thank first and foremost Chris Bedegg from uh, YouTube for setting this up. On the podcast, we were talking about you know meeting some folks from YouTube and uh, he was true to his word and uh, he's the man and kind of set this up. So uh, thank you, Chris. I really appreciate it. On that day, I told him that I was going to try and make him my best friend. And I think so far we're ma we've made really good progress and we're, we're well on our way. N next, next thing is coming out Wait, to San Francisco. Can I get in this friend group, this friend circle? Yeah, yeah, for sure. You're already in. Awesome. You got, you got the stamp of approval already from Chris. So that's good. Sweet. Thanks, Chris. I love San Francisco too, by the way. I, I talk to my wife all the time. You know, we're from uh, the New York, New Jersey kind of border area and we love it here. We're going to raise our kids here, but... Uh, one day, as I said before the podcast, I, I could see myself living in San Francisco. So I'll happily give you my spot. Okay. I am not from the West Coast. You ready so. to dip? You're ready. T t give me the inside scoop. San Francisco. Are you staying or going? You like it? It's hard for me to say. I'm from down south. I'm from born and raised in New Orleans. So okay. anything out here is just a little odd to me. It's beautiful. Like, don't get me wrong. Yeah. It is a stunning city. Yes. Culturally, it's just weird for me. I'm yeah. used to like, you know, Mardi Gras and the fact that I can drink in the street. Yeah. And like Drew Brees and all that stuff. That's so cool. <laughs> <laughs> you're like not where i was going and all that. that's cool so your title at youtube uh director of design for youtube music youtube premium which by the way i think of all the things i use in my day-to-day -day life uh and this is part of the reason why i think chris made the intro for us as i was talking about i kept bringing up youtube premium uh mm -hmm. it's like one of my my favorite things that i use and it's fundamentally changed my life in terms of like my, you know, learning and the way I engage like with entertainment is different now. So I love that. We could totally geek out about that as well. Anytime. Um, uh, tell me about your journey. I know you've worked like everywhere. You worked at Flickr for a while and then uh, Yahoo. I love Flickr to this day. I still use Flickr. So 
totally. uh, and then from Google to YouTube and you're crushing the game. How did this all start? How'd you get into it? Um, big secret, actually, maybe not a big secret. If you've ever heard me um, tell the truth in public before, I'm self-taught as a designer. Really? I Yeah, I went to school. I was dead set on being a cardio surgeon. I had known since I was four. Um, didn't quite work out that way. I right. went to my first class in med school. And the professor said, hey, how many of you would save the person next to you if they passed out or if they you know, fell out and grabbed their chest? And of course, you're eager and you're like, yes, I'm going to save people. I'm going to save the world. And you have all this altruism built up in your body. And of right. course, your hand shoots up real fast. Yeah. And then he proceeded to say no and explain why, due to liability, you might not just immediately jump up and help that person. Wow. And so That's the crazy. dream I had of saving people, saving my family or my father even who actually did pass away of a heart attack. Um, Sorry to hear that. I had to, I had to give that up it just cause I was like, I can't help people the way I want to. Okay. And so, you know, you call your parents, you tell them, by the way, you know, this Ivy league education that you've been slaving over for me, <laughs> I'm giving it up. And, wow. um, I'm going to go back down to the city and get a job and figure it out. And, Two weeks later, um, I was working at an ad agency because I actually had had a double program at the same time, which, which was to be uh, a technical and scientific illustrator. So I came at design oh, wow. through originally actually wanting to draw from Marvel. Like I still do. I would kill to work on some of their characters. But yeah, so I was an illustrator, um, did some work at an ad agency. And then I was planning a trip to the West Coast because I'd never been out to the Bay Area right. ever. I'd actually never been further west than I think Chicago. Oh, wow. It was meant to just be like a four-day trip right. to see San Francisco. And uh, two days before the trip, I just decided to say, you know what? Screw it. Gave up my apartment here in New York um, and the, the two jobs that I were, was working and said, I'm, I'm done. I'm gone. I want to wow. go for Disney. They didn't know that I wanted to work for them. They had no clue. Right. So it, that turned into me hustling to get a job at an agency um, there in San Francisco. And then two years, no, a year and a half after that, I did end up at Disney. But it turns out that um, Michael Eisner found out I was far better at this internet thing than he had even supposed. And so he needed someone to work on his project called uh, go.com, which at the time was when they were starting to buy up like ESPN, ABC, movies.com, all that kind of stuff, Mr. Showbiz. Right. And he needed um, a bunch of like people who understood the internet and information architecture to figure out how to make it all work in wow. one. That's yeah. so crazy too, because if you look at what like, how how amazing Disney is now and all they've created, you were at like the beginning of that. You really like kind of, that's a trip to think about. That's awesome. It was a lot of education on both sides. Right. I learned a lot about their method for service design, mm -hmm. which was stunning and amazing and has totally influenced my career to this day. Um, just about how design details matter, quality matters. Yes. And yeah. And my from first there, boss, Ron, worked at, at Disney and he was always kind of talking about that and talking about attention to detail. Is that, like, oh, they, yeah. They, they kind of like brainwash you in that right? way, you know what I mean? Yeah. That, that d detail is literally Disney's magic and I will always credit them for that. They're a huge part of like my career and my childhood. That's um, cool. After that, um, man, that's when I started really getting into this, oh, we can really make things online better. And I'm talking, dude, I'm old school. I'm talking the days of like when people still use Netscape and stuff, right. you know, they cared about that. And you know, <laughs> Mosaic was one of the first browsers out there. No one really knew how any of this stuff worked. Right. So it was the perfect time to learn and grow at the same time. And I just hustled for every single job. And 
I somehow they kept offering me other jobs. Yeah, I was looking at it and it's pretty crazy. It's just like you were like tenacious and just getting jobs. There's no real gaps and it just kind of, that's awesome. I love that. Some of it too was I just, I did the work a lot of people didn't want to do. I mean, even then we still had a body of people who they only wanted to work on the big projects. You know, they wanted to be, to do the agency work or the stuff that had a lot of shine to it. I didn't care. I just wanted the experience. I wanted to learn how to build everything. Right. A lot of designers at the time were coming to the job like, no, I already know what this should be like. Let me tell you. Yeah. And I did a lot of heavy requirements gathering and talking and negotiating with someone. I asked more questions than I answered, if that right. makes sense. Yeah. So for asking sure. someone like, why, for who, is this going to work for you in another two or three years? People started to appreciate that. And mm-hmm. I think that's what we know of as like sort of design methodology today, right. where you do a lot of, you know, legwork to understand who the end user is yes that benefited me highly and at the same time it was teaching me right so they thought it was up for some you know greater benefit but it really was just so that i could understand what they needed and to be able to translate that into something yeah you could do both yeah totally for me it's almost being like be more proactive than reactive like it's like if i can figure out what my clients needs are what the real needs are that informs me as a designer, I'm able to make such a more informed decision. And it's great because they feel like they're being, like you would think it might be a nuisance to them, but they feel like they're being listened to and their, and their needs are being met. And that way, when I have my deliverables, we don't have to go back and forth 15,000 times because I'm yeah. acutely aware of what they're looking to do. Oh, yeah. I mean? And it, it gives you an element of trust that later on, when you do want to push the envelope and do something crazy, you've built up enough trust and equity with them as a partner. Right. That they're going to trust that what you're, whatever you're coming with has been really well thought. Yes, exactly. It could easily be a job you go off and do in isolation and you just design this thing and come back later and put it in front of people. Right. But you can bring them along through your process yeah. and explain. It's so much easier to get your designs accepted. And then it's hard. It's not like something that we're trained to do. No one ever tells you like in design school explain why you did this or how you did this, the communication right. part, the soft skills that most people have to learn sadly on the job. Yeah. If we did more of that, like as a community and helped each other out, like critiquing mm-hmm. without ego, oh my God, you wouldn't tell us shit. Right. Exactly. You remind me of that debate and I don't even know if the debate is still going on or not, but like is art design and is design art. And it's like, no, there, there are two different things and they're very different things. Right. For yeah. a reason. Yeah. I know a lot of people get caught up in that in their career where they're like, I'm a designer and this it's a creative outlet. And it's like, mm, no, design at this level, at, at certain scale, especially the scale at which like we work at at YouTube, it's solving the needs of other people. Art, right. I can go off and paint something no one else will ever have to see it. And it's about me, the things I go through, the process. Right. It's a very solitary way to like exercise demons and stuff, right? It's, right. it's my ego. Yeah. Design isn't like that. Design's problem solving. So it's very different. Yeah. That's why I love YouTube, honestly. Like from everything from YouTube TV to YouTube premium to, to the music, I think Google in general, I think what it does is it, it enables like utility. You know what I mean? And, and that's like, Not and that's doubt. so exciting. And that's design with like a, you know, capital D design, if you will. I, I think know that's kind of being overstated, but yeah. Sometimes people forget like YouTube's job is to get you to what you want faster. If yes. we spent more time like building the, the container, the wrapper and put all this design in that, 
Right. It slows down your ability. And we're serving a global audience, right? Yeah. It's just seconds or milliseconds to click and give you what you're there for. It's not about us. We yeah. should be invisible. So for those people that have always thought like, wow, YouTube's design really has not changed in years. Oh, it has. It's gone through massive changes. And I love the rebrand. Is- I'm a huge fan of the rebrand. That's, <laughs> how, that's how I met Chris. It was really cool. Right? Like that. Yeah. He did an amazing job. Oh, my God. All right, so let's talk about what like what you're doing now. I know that you worked at, at Google before that. And I'm sure it all kind of ties in. So feel yeah. free to, to jump around. What does the average day look like for you? I know there's a couple of different things you're working on. What are you the most excited about? Um, and, and why YouTube? Why the switch from Google to YouTube? I mean, it's Google owns YouTube, but why did you specifically go to YouTube? I switched from Google to YouTube um, for two reasons. One, YouTube had always been a goal, like all of my career from the time I jumped in on the West Coast out at Disney and the agencies I worked with out there, uh, all the way up through um, just coming over to Google, YouTube was my brass ring. It was the place I wanted to be because I'd always been entertainment focused. I'd always done and, and built music products, whether it was, I don't know, back at Disney and some of the first like Disney radio, online radio, things like that. Like I've built a lot of stuff in my time that let me relate because I enjoyed it. Like I love movies. I love music. I love shows. And so it was a natural affinity. Um, this other reason why I came to YouTube was I finally came across, um, a VP, a product guy who trusted my vision. He understood how I worked and he always basically like let me go and build my teams and run my teams. However, I wanted to. Right. He just trusted. I'm, look, I'm looking for that person. I'm looking for that person who believes in oh. me and lets me run. Well, you it. can't take mine. So good luck. <laughs> <laughs> It's okay. Is YouTube in New York too or no? Yeah, we, that's actually why I'm here at the moment. Um, we have offices, New York, San Bruno's our headquarters and LA. And then also we have a really large, amazing team that's based out of Zurich, Switzerland. Really? Yeah. YouTube was just something I could identify with. I mean, I've spent a lot of time jumping back and forth, designing like enterprise level things, um, consumer related products. But YouTube is something like, wow, I will be using this for into infinity. And, you know, unless something better should ever come along, right. good luck. Yeah, good but luck. It's, <laughs> <laughs> it's just a product that I know and love. And so the opportunity to work on something I care about, much less in the music space, was a dream come true. Mm-hmm. So I it, I it happened quite easily. It was a very, very easy decision to come to YouTube. That's awesome. So like a, a day-to-day, like what does that look like? What's some of the different projects you're working on recently? And then we'll go from there. Yeah, I have to divide up my day because I support uh, and run three different UX teams. I spend a lot of my time in meetings at this weird executive level. Like it's strange to think of design having an executive seat at the table, but we have to because at that point, business decisions are getting made, investments are getting made. Right. Um, so that actually does have an impact on what the user experience is. Something I learned really recently was that whether we want to admit it or not, your company's business model is the thing that actually determines how your product works. That determines the design. Mm -hmm. And so if YouTube is an ad-supported business and people have known and loved and used it for the last decade, which they have, there's that. And then there's our diversity to YouTube's business. That's the new subscription services that a lot of people know about. So that's premium, that's music, that's TV. Which I love, by the way. I strongly recommend. I think they're incredible. I think it's worth every dollar. I I think it's reasonably priced for what it is, for the service it provides. You should get it. If you're you're still paying for cable, you're crazy, get YouTube TV. Seriously. And and YouTube premium. It's worth the investment. It's it's worth it. TV alone, just because, oh my God, um, 
I don't have to deal with cable providers. Unlimited and, DVR? I, right? I, I could be the spokesperson for YouTube TV. For, I, honestly, like I should do commercials for them. <laughs> they take it too. <laughs> you, know, you know how like it was like the Sprint guy and now he's like back to Verizon or whatever? Yep. I want to be that for YouTube. Yeah. Yeah. We okay. take you. I'll, I want to be the, the flow. Yes, exactly. I'll, I'll be like the flow of YouTube. You know what I mean? I'll try. Anyway, sorry. Keep going. No, you're fine. <laughs> I told you I was going to be crazy. This is, this is my uh, my end of the day weird vibes. It's cool though. No, this is good vibes. Yeah, I mean, and, and premium is premium worth it. Like if you're one of those people like I do, you use YouTube a lot. My family uses YouTube a lot. Having that premium subscription and removing the ads, like you don't even realize it may feel like seconds and you might be okay to skip an ad, but when those ads are gone, yes, you get to so much stuff quicker. And or you watch like an hour, like an hour long podcast, or watching like a long form thing. Like you can't watch a three hour podcast, like a Joe Rogan type podcast or whatever. You can't like watch that and then have every like however many minutes it is. Like with a convert, I mean you could, but I don't have the time it? of the day to wait. So I, mean, I love premium for that. Time is money, you know what I'm saying? Right. And then download like, oh, my God, as much as I travel. Are you kidding me? Yes. The fact yes. that I can like download all my stuff before hopping on the plane and just be like, I'm out. OK, good. Great. I almost forgot about that. There's so much utility that you you almost like forget about because it's just so much of it, which is really kind of cool. Yeah. Uh, is that kind of like uh, I would imagine that's a lot to kind of like wrangle together, though. Right. Because, I mean, it's all those different. What does it look like on the back end for some, like it's my first day. Oh my day God, you're talking about like 60 different feature teams and we've only <laughs> talked about two features. Right. Multiple edge teams, multiple product people that own things. Yeah. It's, it's big. Yeah. It's crazy. I, I, that's one of the things I was like in, in awe of when I went out to San Francisco was like the size of like just how big these places are. I don't think that people understand how many people it takes to, because it's so passive, right? You just pick up your phone. Oh, I got to show you. Have you seen this video? Oh, my God. And you just click on the app. You don't even think about it. But behind the scenes, the fact there's like thousands of people working on it, that's just so like crazy to think about. If you take the most familiar surface in YouTube, which is like the watch page, right? Mm -hmm. That page that everybody gets to. There's the video on the upper left. And then there's like all these up next videos on the right. There are no less than probably 12 or 13 different teams that contribute to that single page. Wow, and you really? Think about it. So imagine the collaboration that has to happen between the multiple design teams or even like the engineering teams that all have a stake in that page. Wow. That's crazy to think about. It's it's a hard job. I mean, you, you've got to be the kind of person that's one, willing to collaborate and two, able to understand all of the, the requirements of other people, not just your own. Right. Yeah, kind of navigating the expectations of that many people has got to be kind of tough. I'm sure there are very strict rules about what you can and cannot talk about, but for me, just from like a you know a positive standpoint, like for me, I think that um, the algorithm and the, like recommended videos, uh, I know that it has fundamentally changed my life. And I don't know like what all the semantics are of of that, how that all works, how much of it is like automation, how much of it is like curated things, but um, within your like, you know, legal, I know you can't speak for like the company or like the, for the company or whatever, but, um, how are some of those decisions made? Can you give me any insight of that? Or is that kind of like a behind the, behind the scenes sort of thing? The, that man behind the curtain, it's not really a man. It's probably a team of people. It's a combination of man and machine Yeah, I think that figure that stuff out. And to be honest, it's, it's always a balancing act. I don't know how they do it. Right. And I don't think a lot of people know how they do it. It's just 
it has to be man and machines. A lot of the inputs come from what we do as users every single day, right. the things that we click on or that we decide we're interested in. Yeah. And then the machines kind of go from there. But I think people have to remember, even with things like AI, they're trained. They're, these things are like being, they're growing up with us at the same time. Yeah. So even our own behavior drives it. Think about yeah, way exactly. back in the day and everybody experienced it, right? At Amazon, you primarily buy, I don't know, NFL gear, right? right. Ooh, it's football season. You do Go one 49ers. search. They're the, you guys are in the Super Bowl. Well, not you guys, but you know, your neck of the woods. My, my people in the neck of the woods, because I'm <laughs> not a Niners fan. No offense. Niners fans. Go Niners. I'm a Saints fan diehard. Okay, um, cool. but, but you remember back in the day, like you would do, when algorithms were first learning how to do this stuff, like recommendations, you would search for one thing that was slightly off topic on Amazon. Like I think I would search for like how to repair a Hemi engine in a car. Not for myself. Book right. for a friend who's really into vintage cars. And then all of a sudden my feed is flooded with this thing. Those were early examples of how like the algorithms are still learning. They're right. still being trained. It's not perfect right. by any means at all. Yeah. And there's like cookies and stuff on the internet. My, my dad, like literally like it doesn't understand. I, I've tried to explain this to him about like, he's like, he's like, how do they know I was on that thing? And now it's, I'm like, dad, like, it's all kind of like linked up. It's like, you're only you're seeing that. But he doesn't understand. But, <laughs> but um, well, it's, it's so funny because sometimes, like, I think it's kind of kind of cool. People will comment on YouTube. It's like I didn't I didn't know that I needed this video, but thanks YouTube. It's just like some random video. I just think I love like the comment section of YouTube too. I think that it's like really kind of an interesting uh, place. And and sometimes it could be a kind of like you know, like like anything else. It can, it, it could be skew kind of bad or skew good. But I just think it's so interesting to read like the comment section and stuff too. I'm a fan of it all, man. I think YouTube has helped more people than than even we're aware of. Every now and then we'll we'll kick off a meeting or something and someone and some team has done an amazing job of saying, you guys, just for a minute, look at what you've done for this person's life. And it's someone who like, there was this one that really got to me because outside of all this, I'm also an interior designer. Oh, nice. It was a woman who... Um, yeah, the, by the way, the, your background right now is clutch. I could tell you were, I, I was like, that's amazing. Like nice <laughs> curtains and big windows. There's like a cityscape behind you. Some nice. Like, oh, no, mid- this is, it's New York for oh, sure. Oh, sure, sure. <laughs> gotcha. you got you got the mid-century lamps. Oh my God. I love it. Okay. All day. All right. I know I keep going. Sorry. It's okay. This, this woman, um, used YouTube to learn how to build a house for her and her children. What? She built her own, like, and she had a lot of kids too. So, you know, she was building a house for like six or seven people. So she obviously had to do multiple bathrooms and stuff. They built their own house. Um, wow. she just out of like a bad relationship. I think there'd just been like a lot of negativity in her life. Right. And she went to YouTube and did that. Then there's like all these crazy stories about people that have like learned languages and expanded their own global footprint. They've, they've learned, they've grew, they've, I mean, we get stories all the time about people who maybe their company or clothes that they worked at, they worked at a factory or something for like 20, 30 years. They needed a new skill set. They learned how to do something on YouTube. Yeah. I mean, to some, I, a good I learned how to start this podcast on YouTube. I still, to this day, everything you see that goes out, like, how do you do this? How do you do that? It's all on YouTube. It's so crazy. Dude, I learned how to, like, fish a ring out of my garbage disposal on YouTube, and I felt <laughs> so proud of myself. Like, I did this, and I didn't have to call a guy to do it or a plumber and pay, like, hundreds of dollars. It was fantastic. It was yeah. amazing. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah, I love it. And there's really great – and it's it's great because, like, people are able to, like, do what they love, make money off of it. Uh, I, I just think it's so cool. And I think that there's – a lot of times people will, like, you know, read headlines or – like, you know, I'll get a comment like, oh, like another tech company kind of thing. But um, 
I think that people lose sight of the utility that companies like YouTube and Google that they enable. It's like, cause you know, you could use YouTube to like talk shit in the comment sections, or you could use YouTube to change the world and make it a better place. It's kind of like, you know, don't kill the messenger. YouTube is just like the platform that allow, that affords you the opportunity it, to do that. It's you know? hard to separate that right though from a brand. When you work for a brand that's that popular, it's very easy to blame that brand as, as the thing. But we don't we don't really produce content. All of our content comes from creators worldwide who do a lot of hard work right. to make stuff. Peter McKinnon type characters, people like that, Casey Neistat and stuff like that. Yeah, Casey loved that dude. I kind of want to sneak over to his office. I might do that tomorrow. While oh, I'm you here. know him? I wish I knew him for oh, yeah, sure. Casey hit me up, dude. How are you? If you're watching oh, this. Oh my god, that's so funny. Yeah. He's amazing. He's one of my favorite creators. That's definitely one of my, well, let's talk about this. I've been trying also too to make sure that I have fun with the podcast too, because I've been really like hell bent on like trying to be like academic and like provide for like people and like for the culture and shit, but also to like have some fun with things. So mm-hmm. that's, let's do this. What are some of your favorite YouTube channels? And then we'll, and then we'll oh, go to YouTube. No, music. I can't see that because then I'll offend somebody because I'm sure I'll leave them out. Okay. I really will. I mean, uh, right now, because I'm so music focused, my favorite YouTube channels are the channels of artists. Right. Music artists. Yeah. No offense to like the true video content creators, but like, man, I can't live without like more recently Billie Eilish. Yes. I love my, my wife and I are obsessed with her and we were just saying about how great it is that she won. She's so talented. Oh my God. She brings her on like Howard Stern or just her and like her brother. And oh, they're fantastic. Okay. Billie Eilish. Um, one of the, the absolute like musical loves of my life is her. So obviously she's another Grammy winner, but the, her, the artist, she had posted a lot of like early versions of her music way, way back to like her volume one album, um, on YouTube. And it just, it allowed me to be voracious. Like I love her so much Yeah, and she's fantastic. And it's been amazing to like watch her grow up and now she's this Grammy winning artist, but yeah, she's so crazy. I remember actually reading, and I don't know if you want me to share this or not, but in your email, it says that you have uh, Kanye energy and Drake emotions. Kanye attitude. <laughs> Kanye attitude and Drake emotions. I lo- When I read that, I knew we- that we would be like best friends just from reading that one thing because I-, I feel the same way. Honestly, like this podcast, so much of it came from like me raging out and listening to like Life of Pablo. Like, up in the oh, morning, yeah. miss you back. Sorry, call you back, same brother, my father. Hey. All this. Yo, that is my, <laughs> it was like the rally cry for this podcast. Like, I love it so much. I'm a big Kanye fan. Drake sometimes, sometimes, but. Not everybody's a Drake stan. It's cool. But I mean, I, I'm so into music based on my, my childhood and where I grew up. My dad was a musician, like a studio musician. Wow. Um, so I like people that can talk to me through song lyrics. Yes. Win me over. I know the feeling, like when you feel like you connect with the lyrics so much. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So anyone that joins my team or any of my teams, it doesn't even have to be music related. You need to talk to me through song lyrics, like complete this lyric. And if you can't, um, you might not have a job. Wow. Wait, can I try it? Can you? Can you, you could. All right, let's try. You ready? Let me get You said you're a hip hop head. So let's see if we can get it. Okay. Engine, engine, number nine. On the New York transit line. If my train my goes train off the track. Pick it up, pick it up, pick it up. I'm a DJ. I got no, I, I got no, that's like, okay, let's yeah. keep going. I'll, I'll do like two or three more. I'll see if I can get it. Um, let's see. I'm ready. I feel like I'm, I'm competitive about this shit. 
Well, Ooh. my wife and I, we can't play the, the flip game where you put the thing on, like when you like with your heads up, whatever it's called. Is that the Ellen game? Yeah, we can't play that. I, I get too competitive about it. Wait, how competitive do you get? <laughs> I'm not, not really, but like, you know, a little bit. She gets annoyed with me more. Okay, so I'm trying to think about <laughs> if I have another hip hop lyric that, that I'm ready. I'm standing by. We'll do uh, one more. We'll do one more. Okay, let's see. Hold on a second. Let me let me go into my husband. Oh, okay. Because I'm in I'm I'm in New York, so here's one for you. I love all my New York hip hop. The back of the club, Mac and Hose, my crew's behind me. Mac question asking, blunt passing. Who they attracting with that name? What's your number? What's your size? Whatever. That, wait. Ask me what your interests are. Who you be? Who you with? be with? What, what <laughs> is Yes. I love that. Like I, I am a real like uh, New York hip hop head, uh, especially from like the era of like um, like Funkmaster Flex, like like. Master Flex. I could. I used to know. Like, I used to sit by the radio, and I used to listen to like "I Need a Girl" Part One. "I Need a Girl" Part Two. That's actually how I became a DJ because I would take a cassette and I would like rewind it. I would like rewind it from the top and hit play again. So you have mad superpowers yourself. Like, hold up. This is a design podcast, and we're talking about DJing (laughs) and. You are a boss. I need to get focused, though. I need to get focused. I need to get a nice job, a nice cushy job at, like, Google or Facebook or somewhere. I need to have kids soon. <laughs> I'm having too much fun. That's the problem. You know what I'm saying? Like, but Maybe you need to merge all your interests. That's what I'm saying. That's why I'm, like, actually – this is actually a good segue. This is this is maybe you can kind of, like, psychoanalyze where I'm at, and maybe this will be valuable for other people. Cause, what you got? Because I have, like, all these things. I recently got, like, super into, like, digital illustration – I'm realizing like I'm not the best illustrator, but if you can like if I could like work with like vectors or like work with Photoshop brushes and smooth it, like I could do some damage because I'm no longer letting like the tools limit me. I know what they do and like the shape builder. So that's interesting. So I have that thing. I have that vision of being that cool designer with beautiful color, you know, colorful Pinterest worthy work, right? That'd be sick. <laughs> that's kind of like the dream though. That's the one that's a little bit like probably not gonna happen djing is great but i'm not i just do weddings and stuff and and um i like it and i love music dearly but i I don't get excited about djing like i do about design and i like design and i like tech and everything like that but but then again i have no business in tech like people would probably hear this podcast and they'd be like oh like okay he wants to be some like programmer type person and it's like no like (laughs) Not at all. So I don't know. I have all these skills and it's like jack of all, jack of all trades, like master of none. But I have like good have interpersonal skills. You have a mastery skills. of pop culture. That, I'm telling you, culture. I have that. And you're also an illustrator. Why are you not thinking about comic books I know. or graphic novels? I've been starting to get into that stuff. If you look at my, if you look at my Pinterest activity, which by the way, uh, not nearly enough Pinterest followers. My Pinterest is the shit. It is amazing. Hold on, wait, can, I look, can you tell me? Because I'm always looking for people on Pinterest. Okay, I just cha- I just changed my name. I have been pinning so much from people that I actually changed it for Meet the Creatives because I didn't want people to get like freaked out and be like, you know, I just started to put put it to my name, Rob. Because I, I I worry about that sometimes on Pinterest. It's like you know, Rob Johnson saves seventy three of your pins. Like nobody wants to see that. What? <laughs> <laughs> what is a good healthy amount of like? followers or even like monthly viewers to have on pinterest i don't know i love pinterest i'm wondering how i'm performing i god i think i but oh that's okay so that's a thing too so i have that part of it too i like i love like curating things 
I think actually like a, a kind of a dream job for me and people at YouTube Music and you're kind of the first person to talk to. I, again, man and machine. I want to be like the man who like makes the playlists in coordination with the machines. Because when I DJ, I actually use the automation to like to make better connections and things that I wouldn't think about. But it's my initial picks that kind of get that rolling. So two people I, that is I that love. a job? Is that yeah, a job? That, that, is, that is a job. And two people that I I love to the ends of the universe and back are on that team. You actually um, might know them. So like, imagine Doug this Ford. is it right here. Imagine my whole career starts right in this moment. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it could. I mean, you never know. Our head of programming, Doug Ford, is like a musical genius. Yeah. Um, I I, I love and respect everything that he's ever done because he's been in the industry a long time. Um, yeah. He came over from Spotify. And also a lot of people know the name Tuma Basa. Mm -hmm. Tuma is a great friend. And Tuma was the guy that did Rap Caviar at Spotify. Yes. But like you said, the platform is like the technical um, delivery mechanism. So it doesn't matter what company you're at. The playlist has to be looked at in terms of how it performs. Right. Is it so good that we keep songs on there, we take songs off. Where do we find out like how the performance is doing? That's man and That'd machine. Cool. It's man's gut, right? Like man starts and says, "I think this would make for a great playlist." Yeah. Over I, yeah, time, I trust my intuition for that up. kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but you, I mean, like if people are coming to you naturally, like cultivating and asking things. you for things, yeah, and or they're they're depending on you for your your curation skills. Yeah. That is a talent because not everybody can do that. Yeah. But I just don't know how it becomes like a, a job because sometimes like honestly, and I think what's kind of fun about this podcast is I don't even know if these jobs like exist because people don't really know. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Believe it or not, there are UX content strategists. There are people that sit in design like and they think about how the content <laughs> is strategized in a way to make for a better experience. Yeah. And a lot of that does have, it has to do with things like seeing the whole thing, curating right. And if you're coming at it from a place of, of interest, like for just a second, think about the fact that as a designer, you design better for the things that you care about and that you're interested in. If you're having a design for like, yeah. I don't know, an app that teaches you how to like wash your clothes, right. you can probably care less. There's no affinity right. for that. And you're just going to do what you have to do to get the job done. Yeah. But if it's like you are going to be the curator of the world's next biggest playlist, when people see this playlist cover anywhere like a billboard in Times Square or out right. like, I don't know, in LA, all of a sudden it changes your motivation for what it does and how well it works. Yes. I just want to be, I guess, I want to have my talents uh, go towards something that makes me feel fulfilled. And I believe that that's out there. Some people don't think that it is. It's just like, oh, like you'll go work at this place and a job is a job. But I don't think that's true. I think that there's something out there that I could be wildly happy at. I just need to figure out had to wrangle all my shit together. So yeah, and the, the people that have the people that have learned to have the most joy at their jobs are ones that did just that. Yeah, they created their own roles. They found a way to merge the things that matter to them in a way that somebody else found valuable. Yeah, I mean the tech space is it's still malleable, right? It's not, and that's just tech. Right. This is not talking about like art or design anywhere else. Most industries are still very malleable, unless you're talking about like. I don't know, banking or I don't know, shipping and logistics or something. Right, right, yeah. <laughs> exactly. It's all still really malleable. I wish more people had the courage to try different things. It's weird to be in a position where you don't, you don't know. You don't, yeah, I, I don't feel like I've like uh, landed yet. 
if that makes any sense. I think your position is a good one to be in. I mean, I've been frustrated with this, this industry, like this, the sort of tech design industry for a long time, because we've started getting very homogenous and and repetitive in the type of people we hire, the skills we're looking for. There are swaths of people globally that have come at this, um, this, this potential to be in a profession just because they're creative, but we're not hiring new. We want cookie cutter people. And it's like, yes, Honestly, if these companies want to be around for another 10 years, they need to explore other avenues of creativity, not just, okay, because you went to this school and you went to do this design program and you right. learned this preach, specific tool. Preach it. This is like why I made this podcast. I swear to God. I think there's there's a lot more room at the, the table. Because like I'm trying to have a barbecue, to which, of course, you are invited. Are but I barbecue? think there's a lot more. For, oh, yeah. <laughs> Just because you're down with the hip-hop, we're good. You're yes. invited to all barbecues. You might even have to get up on the turntables. I will. Listen, if you is it gonna be in San Francisco? No, we're gonna take it back down south to New Orleans. Oh, yo, I'll come through. Come by on the, through. Are you a Theo Vaughn fan, by the way? The comedian Theo Vaughn. He's from uh New Orleans. Yes, sir. You are? Yes, sir. He's actually made me really excited about going to uh to New Orleans. I have to go. I'm coming to the barbecue. I'll you, I'll DJ I'm, for free. I'll give you my address. You can come right to the house. Okay. I'm excited. Uh you know, you made some pretty significant jumps in your career. Yeah. And that level up moment, how do you get on the radar of Google, you know, YouTube, wherever? There's, What's I mean, the there's the stuff that you, you have to do for yourself, right? Like, you know, be really good technically, know the tools, research what the tools are of like what those teams are using in that company if you're targeting a specific company. Right. Right. Like, and it's all on YouTube. If you, don't, if you want to look it up, you just go on YouTube and look it up. Pretty free, much. Free plug. Yeah. What are the latest tools like Sketch, Figma? What are what are the things that people are using? What are they? What are the requirements of the job? Right. There's that. So just be technically good. Table stakes. A lot of people get slowed down, right, by the by the technical ability of can they use these tools to do the design work? Then it's be like smarter than the tools. We say that in the firehouse. I'm also in the firehouse. What? You're everywhere, dude. I'm everywhere. Why don't I work for you? What is up with that? You know, we'll come up with something. <laughs> I see cool. I'm reasonable. No, that's why. That's cool. Um, the next thing you do is honestly what I love doing myself and I hope other people um, would love to do it as well is reach out to people that are already established at those companies. Like I do get a lot of designers that'll, you know, ping me through LinkedIn or someplace and they'll say, Hey, um, not necessarily looking for a job right now, but can you look at my work and give me some feedback? Happily we'll do that. If that will help you get to a point where you can take critique, where you can, um, look at your designs objectively. Yeah. I'll ask you a bunch of questions, and if you can explain it to me, you might be ready to go. Right. And then now that I know your work, in that example, you've got someone on the inside that could also possibly vouch for you. You could right. send a resume in through them and say, you know, if you think I meet the hiring bar, can you pass me along to the right people? And now you've become a referral. You know, if they're not there yet, let them know and help them. Tell them how to be better at their craft. because. Right. Somebody's eventually got to replace the people like me, right? Like, I'm not going to be here forever. I want to know. You're 21, 22, right? Something like that. <laughs> you wish. I'm 40. <laughs> I, I, I was going to say like you. 23. That was, was my guess, but it's okay. Oh, you're so sweet. I think it would be so cool. You know, but, uh, sorry, I know I'm ADD all over the place. But when I was a little kid, I actually came to it in a weird way, like I said, with the, with the cassettes. And then my parents bought me turntables. It would be the coolest thing ever. If I ended up like doing that, you actually have really have my gears going on this. I think I need to do 
do what I'm good at. Just do what I'm comfortable. I just need to find out what the fuck it's called and get my resume together and apply for it. Yeah. A kid with a podcast about getting the job who's too afraid to get the job. It's just like poetry, man. It's fucking crazy. You, you know what I mean? Because everyone's scared. Everyone's really scared. Yeah, but you Failure. never know who's listening. There might be somebody out there right now who's like, yeah, I wish I could find somebody that like had DJ skills because they know how to control the crowd. But right, right, right. Like, I might be the DJ at the Rock Nation brunch. You know what I'm saying? I'll be out there. Last night, couldn't even get an answer. Hey. And I'll play like. I mean, if you can make B like, you know, shake hers, <laughs> I think you won. Yeah. Well, you know what's cool is that I actually interviewed uh, Dunny West, who works on uh, Diddy's team. He's on like there for Ciroc and for everything and all the different stuff. I think. Now he does it consulting wise, but he's, I was like, what's the, like, what's the, what's the thing? It's like the name of the game is your ability to, to treat people at that level, to be able to treat them like you would treat your friends with like unconditional love and normalcy. And just know that no matter what happens that like, you'll be able to handle yourself and you'll be able to be yourself. And like the second that they can sniff out that you're not being yourself, you're out, you're done. And they don't know. And people won't want to work with you. He's like being yourself is the biggest fucking unlock. So. Yeah, it's that has saved me in this very job is just being able to just be me, especially around artists. Like, like I said, I meet artists all the time that I have an amazing amount of respect for or like absolutely love. I mean, I'm talking like hip hop greats. Like yeah. a couple weeks ago, I was in Atlanta at an event we hosted. It was called the Leaders and Legends Ball. And there were two people that I was there to see. One was St. John because I'm absolutely obsessed yes. with him. He's amazing. The right. other one was Eric Sermon, who was, you know, one half of EPMD yeah. from back in the day. And it's like, hey, Eric Sermon. And I saw so him. And I music. Lost. That's my favorite right. sample. That's my I favorite lost sample. my shit and like started to cry. And he was like, yo, are you okay? And I'm like, of everybody in this room, and we're talking about everybody from like T.I., Jermaine Dupree, you know, everybody that you could think of who's right. in hip hop in Atlanta, huge names. Right. He's the only man in that room who I know every lyric he's ever written by heart. Wow. Everything he's ever spit, I have. I Wait, what's the name of that throwback that he used to do that was like the big radio hit? There was that one that just like music. Oh, yeah, the Marvin Gaye remix. That was so hot. I love that one. And then there's that other one. Hold on, I'm pulling up right now. Eric Sermon. I used to always DJ this song. Oh, un poquito. Uh, with Red, with Redman. Oh God, yeah. Whatever she said, that I'm that and this here. Oh, I love that shit. There's a couple good songs on here. I need to get more into Eric Sermon. I've been meaning to do that, and now that you're such a fan. I mean, he's amazing. React was it the one he did with Redman? Yeah, oh, he has a bunch of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was actually one of the first vinyls I ever had. My parents bought me uh, like turntables, and there was a spot and you used to go buy the single. And React, I think, That's was like awesome. the third record I ever had. I'm showing wow. how young I am here, though. But. <laughs> no, it's, it's cool, but I'm just saying, like, it's back to your point, though. Like, we're gonna chop this all up. Don't worry. I'm gonna no, be it's cool. You have to be human when you meet these folks. Like, you, if you fan out and it's just a moment where you're like, "Oh my God, can I take a selfie with you for the gram?" Right. There's, there's nothing. There's no connection there. But to tell someone, like, or to ask a question, like, you know, why did you write this particular lyric like yeah, this? Yeah, yeah. What does it mean for somebody like? Eric Sermon to remix Marvin Gaye, like he's Marvin Gaye should be on top. Like you know what Michael Jackson and yeah. 
the Beatles. There's just some people that you don't touch. Right. But you did and he destroyed it. And it was the best. It was amazing. Yeah, for sure. Right? Like I get that, so mad when, when like these so like club heads put like Marvin Gaye. Like you'll be on like a cruise ship and they'll be like sampling Marvin Gaye over some like terrible techno beat. Like that's an atrocity. But what he did was like took it and made it better. Same it thing. It was true to form. You know what's another great sample that I love from like that era is uh is Takeover with Jay Z when he oh. did that Go Nowhere and we're taking over. Because I love the Doors and I love the uh -huh. way it was a ruthless track. Damn, they destroyed Nas's career. No disrespect to Nas, uh, but <laughs> real talk though, I think that no, that's like talk. that's real the talk. best diss track of all time, probably. I mean, it, it, that literally like knocked him off. Like it was so crazy. Anyway, I think what I need to do, in closing, I think what I need to do is that I need to just get close to the sun for a while, just like get around people and allow these kind of nuanced conversations like I'm having tonight with you, which has been amazing, by the way. Thank you. But we got to do this again, even if it's we're going to be best friends. Yeah. I keep saying Always. that. I made and I, I just met uh, Sean Lyons from RGA today. I, I've been making uh, friends in big and high places. It's, it's exciting. But it's so funny. Like, I don't even care about that. People are like, are you nervous talking to them? It's like, no, they're normal. Just people, just, just people. people. And I think that's what I'm really trying to get across in this podcast this year is that you're just a person. Yeah. We're both just two people. Yep. And the only difference is it's like more time compounding on the clock. Like that's it. It's like every day counts whether or not you decide to wake up and like watch Netflix and binge and do that all day. And that's the path you choose or you watch a YouTube video and you learn something just because you stay up to like 3am, like once or twice a week. Doesn't mean that that's not like hustle. Like hustle is like the compounding of like every day, day in and day out. Like you're auditing what you're doing and you're taking stock and taking inventory of your life and you're working towards a goal or at least like in a certain direction. And I feel like too many kids are like, well, like I tried really hard for like two weeks and it didn't work out. So fuck that shit. Like it's no, just like pressure and time, pressure and time. Definition. Yeah. This podcast sucked for so long. Yeah. Did you have that? Honestly, more people need to be like, committed to their dreams not their comfort zones people think that i'm like i'm crazy when i talk about my dreams like when i go to the firehouse and i talk about my dreams they're they're just like they're like this is like self-serving i'm like no like if this works out this is going to be a dream come true but like, look it's not at all the stuff you're absorbing through this whole process yeah like you you're you're giving in the same way that you're getting it's amazing i mean you know who may come master's back program you know what i'm saying it's i i like I got my master's degree from the school of meet the creatives. You know, I did it. Hip hop will tell you some of people got their master's degree from the school of life and the school of hard knocks. Exactly. Exactly. I definitely got the hard knocks part too recently. That's, that's something new that I've added to it over the <laughs> last couple of years. I've, I've gotten a little bit of, you know, a little bit of trauma in my life. You know, I'm starting to feel like a real adult these days. It's good. So oh, adulting is hard. Adulting sucks. I know. And they never warn you that it's coming. I mean, you kind of know it's coming, but <sighs> yeah. I think the first time you like have to get a credit card and move back into your parents and then it just kind of starts from there and just <coughs> progressively gets worse until you eventually get tired of it and get your shit together. That's been my experience. <laughs> Sorry. I'm like so oversharing today. No, it's, I'm sitting here like, it's a vibe. It's, it's, it's absolute truth. Yes. We became best friends. I, I, could I say something and without hurting anyone's feelings, I think that I like you like, like a smidge more than Chris. Like I like I like Chris a hundred percent. I like you a hundred and one percent. Chris has better tattoos though. I mean I'm getting He's there. got tattoos. I gotta see him now. See it. 
This is why I need to come and hang out with you guys. Next time you're yeah. both in New York, we should all get. Does that happen? Do you guys fly back and forth a lot? Do you fly oh, past you. each other in planes? No, I mean we sometimes we actually get to sit in hot tubs on rooftop pools in Switzerland and hang out together and Damn. talk about his Rolexes and I get to like perv on his tattoos because he's just so dope. That's so crazy. I need to get that that the YouTube bag. I need to get the the Google. I think it's time. I think I think I've talked to enough people. I have like 17 cosigns. I feel like my work is finally actually there. I don't feel like I'm a fraud anymore. We'll see. I think you need to get that bag, babe. Get that bag. Secure the bag. You know what I'm saying? We, imagine how happy my mom would be like if I got like if I was like well paid and she could tell her friends at work that I worked at YouTube and I had a baby and that baby was cute and I got nice photography skills so I could do it. It's, it's what else good. do you need? What else would she need at that point? She'd be like, you know what? Let me tell you about my son. That's probably when I drop it on her, then I'm moving to the Bay Area for a couple of years just to go lead things or something. I don't know. Unless you want to commute, like, you know, up to the city. A couple thousand here in New York. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I like the city. I, I, I tell you, though, like, being at home is nice, but I think that it would be good. What's, like, the YouTube New York office is like? Do you like them? Are they cool? It's the best office. Yeah? Out of I mean, all, the, out of the, all Google, I've like, been to Google Creative Lab and stuff, but. It's amazing. We're in Chelsea Market, right, as a location, which is already fire. Number one tacos right downstairs. All day. All day. Give me them chicken street tacos and throw in some yes. extra guacamole, please. Yes. You got to get like seven of those when you go there. They're the best. I'm going later tonight. Don't play. When, pe when people, when people come to uh, come to New York, that's actually one of the places I take them to. Because it, cause it's nice. Because it's like you're giving them like – not an authentic New York experience, but it's it's like, you know, like my relatives come. We start. It's dense though, right? And it gives you a lot of variety in a really tight space. This is the so trip. I, I go from the Penn Station and I go down by like the VaynerMedia, like 10 Hudson Yards area. And I walk from there on the High Line. You walk all the way down. Yep. And then you go to, um, you get the tacos. Yep. And then the park is nice too. You ever go to the park, that bar there that's like kind of tucked underneath the High Line? It's really cozy. Oh, it's so cozy. It's like ridiculous. It's kind of got this like Mad Men type vibe to it. Yeah. Yeah. So that's cool. All right. Well, we're going to Skype like all the time from now on. Next time. Just ASAP. seriously, ping me. Like we are going to talk. This has been the best episode ever, I think. I say that all the time. But I really, it, it, I think it just gets better and better because I get more and more real. So, the, you know what I'm saying? So if I could redo some of the conversations I did before where I was trying to be all like poignant and measured. I think I'd have, but just I don't be know. you, be you. That's what everybody wants. Yes, I know. It's been a crazy. It's been it's been weird a couple of months because I'm like learning and growing and moving and just too much. I'm too much like uh, in transit. You know what I'm saying? I I don't like that. After I, I like like not stability. I don't want to be bored, but I want to be like you know, know where I'm going. And it's cool to not know that. I feel like when I have a bait, when I have a kid, I feel like I'm gonna be so angry at myself for this time for not capitalizing on it more i think about that now you're, you're actually going to be appreciative of it because when the same thing happens to your kid when they're older you can empathize yes it's a pretty awesome experience to be like at my age and like you know have some options i think it's right? good but it's just scary because it just feels like you know you wake up and you're like what am i doing i don't know do you feel that way sometimes even when you like secure and lock it down even every day i still don't know what i'm doing i mean i'm a mom i don't i don't know what i'm doing and i'm just trying to like like everybody i think it, it takes i think having a kid to even appreciate your own parents like i cried for days and all that would come out of my mouth to my mother was thank you 
Thank you yeah. for having Everyone me. Everyone keeps telling me that's going to happen. Life. I'm so excited for that. Thank you for all the shit that you suffered on my behalf. Wow, like, that's crazy. That almost that's makes she's, my, she's my queen. She's my queen for that that's reason. That's crazy. Did it feel like you were kind of like tripping a little bit? Like you had like an endorphin rush? Like what does that feel like? Because people was, say that when you have kids, it's like there's this weird like fog. I mean, I don't know about you. It was it's different for me for sure being the female that had to go through like 10 months or whatever the, the long time frame is and when you're actually, your body's changing on you, you, you're out of control. You have no control over what your body's doing. And then you meet this person that's going to be dependent on you for who knows how long and they're beautiful and they're yeah, amazing like you a little bit and shit. fragile, right? Damn. And it's just like, oh shit, I made that. So like yeah. when people would used to say like, what was your most creative thing back in the day in the early design days? I'd put up like some cool, hey, look, here's a snapshot of like all my photography that Apple licensed for me for the series of iPhones and all their hardware, blah, blah, blah. And then now that picture of the coolest thing I ever did is my kid. Right. That's cool. Yeah, sometimes I feel selfish. Sometimes I'm a little, I'm a little bit jealous of my friends actually who have kids because I feel like they have like purpose and direction and I sometimes don't have that. But I think when, when my kid is born and I'm kind of this mellowed out cultured 30 year old with a good job and like, I'll be glad that I took that extra time. It's just right now, it feels wrong. You know what I mean? But then all my friends but are like, that, don't have kids. That's natural because at some point you're gonna wanna instill in your kid the ability to to say it's okay to chase your dreams and it's okay to not have it figured out. And like right. I said, you have empathy now for what that's like. I would, if I was going to a job every single day and I hated it and I was right. doing it just to make money, trust me that my kid would see that in my face every day when I got home. But yeah. what my kid sees is, sure, it took me a lot longer than most people to figure it out and end up where I wanted, but I come home happy. Right. Very different life for him. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I don't, like right now, I'm still a little bit like, still a little bit angry. I still like don't have full control of my emotions sometimes. I still like I'm growing up. I feel myself becoming a man, but I don't feel like I'm there yet. And I feel like it'll be such a better life for my kid that I could provide if if I have my shit together. You are my new therapist, by the way. I'm just gonna pay you. Anytime, any anytime. And and please remember again, the biggest part of our session will always start with you don't have to believe shit I say. Right. It's gotta feel right for you. Exactly. <laughs> I love it. Well, thank you so much for doing this. Uh, we're, you're going to come on the podcast 19 more times. We might even start a show together. Who the fuck Anytime. knows? Anytime. Uh, D Speed. Still can't believe that's your real name, uh, but it is. So uh, where can people find you online? Sadly, the only place you can find me online is Instagram. Just literally search D Speed. I'm the first one that will come up in the list. Did you get tired of dealing with your family's crap on Facebook? What happened? How, do, how where, where did Facebook go wrong? Oh, Facebook was just disappointing to me because it wasn't <laughs> – it, it wasn't what it was sold to me as like, I was going to find all these new people. What I found were old stalkerish boyfriends from high school that found out that, you know, I left yeah. New York or. Oh my God. That's amazing. So, all right, that's it. We're best friends now. This happened. Right. I want to talk to you again soon. Yes. Me life. Okay. You're gonna, and you're going to help me get my shit together and I'm going to go get the YouTube tag. Hell yeah. Okay. You think hey, I can do it? Take music and let me know what you think. Do you think I can do it? I think you could. Okay. All right, I'll make sure I send it all. This is going to be a Thank you so much. Bye, Rob. Bye. -bye.